what is God's grace and what does it mean for you? Grace is a word we've heard since the very first step in our faith journey. But do we really believe in God's grace? Dr. Andrew Farley's new book, The Grace Message, invites you to discover the best flavor of Christianity and celebrate the good news of the gospel to the fullest. Life's too short to miss out on God's best. Discover how big God's grace really is. I'm your host, Trisha Goyer, wife to John, mom of 10, author of over 80 books, speaker, homeschooler, avid reader, and mega nap taker. I'm so glad you're here. Got conflict? doesn't find themselves experiencing conflict at some point. Learn how you can turn conflict in your favor. That's right. There are ways to de-escalate conflict and win negotiations without being, well, a jerk. In Don't Take the Bait to Escalate, Jay Payleitner shares biblical insights on how to emerge from conflicts with stronger relationships on the job, with your neighbor, and yes, in your family. Loving your enemy starts with de-escalating conflict. Get Don't Take the Bait to Escalate and begin your journey to understanding and not fearing conflict. It's a wonderful day over at the podcast. I'm going to be talking to Rebecca Hargraves about her book, Lies Moms Believe. But before that, I have something super exciting. I'm holding in my hands my next book that we'll be releasing on April 19th. It's called Heart Happy, Staying Centered in God's Love Through Chaotic Circumstances. And since we're talking about mom guilt and comparison and always feeling like we never can do enough, I wanted to read a portion of this. This is actually probably three quarters of the way through the book, but this little section is called Stop trying to get caught up. And again, this is from my book, Heart Happy, Staying Centered in God's Love Through Chaotic Circumstances. What do you think when you hear the term caught up? For me, it's this idyllic place somewhere in the future where most of my work is finished, most of my chores are done, and where I can spend an afternoon going to coffee with a friend or spending a few hours in a backyard hammock reading one of the novels on my huge to read pile. Of course, I don't have a backyard hammock and I rarely allow myself to take off an afternoon. I take time to go to coffee or lunch with friends, but usually it's when I'm away speaking and don't have all the pressing commitments that come with being at home. My guess is that your number one hindrance in taking time to draw close to God 
and making your heart happy in the Lord is that you don't have time. I understand. As a mom of 10, grandma of many, and wife, there is always someone who needs something from me. I manage both a home and business. I'm a full-time homeschool teacher and writer. I am responsible for my kids' education, and I write an average of four books a year. In addition to speaking, blogging, and podcasting, if I were to work 60 hours a week, I don't. I'd have something to fill every minute, and then I'd still have more. My guess is that you feel the same. Maybe you're a mom who never feels as if she has one minute to herself. You thought things would get easier when your kids got older, but then came traveling and sports. Perhaps you're caring for an ailing family member, or you're facing health struggles of your own. Maybe you're on a job you don't love, or you're waiting and praying for a spouse. Or perhaps everything seems okay in life, but you're dreaming of something more. The truth is that you don't have to be a mom of 10 to feel overwhelmed and worn out. It happens to all of us. If we're honest, there will never be a time when we're caught up. And so we keep plugging forward and pouring out. We give more and more, do more and more. Yet there will always be more to do, always. But it doesn't help to do more if we don't do it from a happy heart. We feel empty because we're spinning our wheels and getting nowhere. Whenever I'm asked my secret to doing it all, I always land on this. Take time to be with Jesus. I spend time reading his word and in prayer. I spend time in worship. I get my heart and mind focused on the right things. And then everything about the day works better. Having the right priorities, the right attitude, and correct motivations come from my time with Jesus, and they only happen when I make the time to nourish my soul. Yes, Bible reading takes time, prayer takes time, worship takes time, rest takes time, choosing to be creative and enjoying your God-given gifts takes time, but I know from experience that this time is redeemed tenfold. The worst thing you can do is try to catch up on all your numerous tasks before focusing on soul care. I promise you will never catch up. Your work will never be complete, whether it is work inside the home or outside of it. When you finish that to-do list, there will be 20 more things you can immediately add. When you take time for soul care and making your heart happy, you might discover that things you thought you needed to catch up on aren't priorities at all. As you spend time with God, your priorities might even shift to something completely different. They probably will. And because Jesus loves you and has good plans for you, the new priorities will most likely be the right ones, and they will lead you to an abundant life. I can't tell you the number of times God has given me a new book idea or a simple way to connect with a troubled child as I sought him. Jesus has led me to beautiful, transforming changes when I've taken the time to spend with him. So that's just a glimpse of my new book, Heart Happy. I want this book to be an encouragement and inspiration. I want it to be a breath of fresh air to your soul. I just not a book filled with more to-dos. It's going to make you feel burdened down, feel overwhelmed, feel stressed out. I want the opposite to happen. Just like this conversation that I'm having with Rebecca, I want you to walk away with it feeling 
God loves me just like I am and I'm okay. Now, if you're interested, you can pre-order the book. It's available, like I said, April 19th. And if you want to read it right away, I am looking for more people to join my insider launch team. So what is an insider launch team? Basically, I'll have a link and you can find the link in the show notes. You could also find it on my Instagram page up in my profile. If you click on the link tree, you will see join the insider team. Once you pre-order the book and cl- click on the link, pre-order the book, put in your receipt number, then you will be taken into a private location. It sounds mysterious, but really it's a private Facebook group where, um, first of all, you're going to get emailed to you a copy of the book. So the PDF today, you will, once you put your information in, you will receive the PDF so you can start reading the book. And then you'll connect with me. You'll connect with others who are reading the book. We'll share um, some insights of behind the scenes of Heart Happy. I'm giving away some prizes. And what we ask is that you will take time to read the book. And then within the first few weeks of the book being out, post your review. And this is why we ask for the pre-order. We all know Amazon likes those verified purchase links. And it really helps when those reviews go up under a verified purchase. Again, you can find more information on the show notes for this podcast. Or if you go to Instagram and click in my profile in the link tree, you can find information there. We would love to have you as part of the Insider Launch Team for Heart Happy. And right now, here is my conversation with Rebecca. Well, friends, I am so excited to have my friend Rebecca Hargraves here. We're going to be talking about lies moms believe. But first, I just want to welcome you, Rebecca. I'm so glad you're here. Oh, thank you, Trisha. This is so fun. I've been looking forward to being able to chat with you. Yeah, and just start by telling us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So as you said, I'm Rebecca Hargraves, and I've been married to my husband, Owen, for about seven and a half years. We have two kiddos. Uh, we're in birthday season, so they're they're transitioning. We had our daughter like almost <laughs> immediately, so she's six, almost seven. <laughs> um, and we had our son shortly after that, so he just turned five this week. And I homeschool them, and I write. Um, I'm a fellow podcaster. It's I have so much fun when I talk to fellow podcasters because they get it and they understand, and it's it's fun. So I do that, and I just I have a heart for women in general, but also sometimes especially moms because um, it is hard. And motherhood is wonderful and it's beautiful and it's it's important, but it it can be hard. And so um, I just have a passion for helping moms and like I said, women in general, but helping us to see just how relevant and applicable the gospel is Mm -hmm. to the daily struggles. (laughs) Absolutely. And it's hard in so many seasons. So my oldest is 32. My youngest is 10. So I'm almost doing every season at once, (laughs) you know, from elementary to uh, junior high, high school, (laughs) college, (laughs) adults, and then grandkids. Um, currently my daughter from Europe is here with her two-year-old, almost three-year-old and, and four-month-old baby. And that's an exhausting season. I'm like, okay, (laughs) is it time for the nap time yet? (laughs) Man. And so, and I think 
so many moms think, okay, every other mom has their act together out there. Mm -hmm. They have it all together. And look at her. She's doing so great. And I mean, I see you from afar. Rebecca's so amazing. And then I know you have hard days. I have hard days. Like all of us have hard days. And I know you specifically wrote a book because we're talking about mamas, um, lies moms believe. So just talk about like why it was on your heart to really write that book and just give hope to moms. (laughs) Well, it's funny. I love telling this story because it, I look back and I see God's hand on it. Mm -hmm. I, it wasn't my initial plan. He made it the desire of my heart, I think clearly, but it wasn't my initial plan. I had a different book idea. It was still going to pertain to an aspect of motherhood, but it was a different book idea. And I thought that was going to be my book to pursue. And this concept of addressing lies that we commonly believe, this was going to be a blog post. Mm. So I'm thinking like, (laughs) I'm just going to address maybe, you know, three or four lies and that are common that I believe or find myself believing and struggling with. And I'm going to share how the gospel actually does apply to those and really free us from those when we're taking thoughts captive and we're, you know, applying that truth. And so that was my plan. And Then one day, like, I just remember it so clearly. And I wrote this book four years ago, but I remember it like it was yesterday. The thought popped into my head. Well, instead of just sitting down to write the blog post yourself, why don't you go on Instagram and Facebook and just ask mamas on there if they could share like some of the lies that they have Mm. believed. And so I thought, okay, well, because my plan, I was like ready to sit down and just go through the lies that I could think of in a few minutes, you know, and make that blog post. And that was my plan. And I, but I had that thought and I thought, okay, I I couldn't shake it, (laughs) you know, just looking back like, okay, Holy Spirit. Um, But I could not shake that idea. And so I went ahead and I did a quick post on Instagram, quick post on Facebook, just asking those women, you know, are there any lies that you believe as a mom? What lies do you maybe struggle with? And I was blown away within 10 minutes. I have all these comments pouring in more responses than I would typically get to a post. I mean, just out of nowhere. And I thought, oh my goodness, like there's, there's so many here to sift through. Maybe this is going to be like one of those freebie eBooks, you know, maybe right. that's the plan. And so, cause I knew at that point it can't just be a blog post now. <laughs> so I'm thinking, okay, maybe I need to look into making it an ebook. Well then as more time went by the rest of that day, the next day, the day after that, there are so many responses coming in that I'm thinking, well, I can't just have it be a short little ebook. There's just, there's too much here. Yeah. And so fast forward, this book, Trisha, covers 32 lies. Yeah. <laughs> and I just, I look at my copy that's sitting on my desk and I just, I just see God. I just see his plan. It was not mine. But it's funny, once these responses kept pouring in, I became so passionate about helping these mamas because I would read a comment from a mom who I might not even know. But she would say, you know, I struggle with this lie and it's really hard and it affects my everyday and I just can't get past it. And when you read stuff like that, Mm-hmm. I mean, your heart is changed. Your heart goes out to these people that you might not even know. And you just have this passion to do whatever you can possibly do to try to help them with these lies that are having a negative impact. And so, you know, I started this project hoping to encourage other moms and to see them freed. But by God's grace, what I've seen, and I have heard from other moms that that amazingly has been the case. But what I experienced in writing it is that God used it to free me. Yeah. And that, like, I could almost cry just because I've seen such freedom in my own heart and life. And I've seen 
myself go from someone who would read that verse about taking thoughts captive and be like, yeah, okay, whatever, and go on to the next verse, never actually thinking, oh, wait, that's something that I'm supposed to actually do. That's something I actually can do. To now being someone who, because I spent so much time kind of going over this content in this book and pouring over the word in order to even be able to (laughs) refute these lies, it reoriented my thinking. And so now I still struggle. I still obviously struggle with certain lies from time to time, depending on what season, what it is that's going on. But I now have the kind of the reflex now after going through that process of, oh, that's a lie. Mm-hmm. I don't have to believe that. I can recognize that now. I know that's a lie. It's like a, a you know, a bell's going off in my head. I know that's not true. And I can now take the time and actually feel inspired to take the time to refute it. And so I'm grateful to the Lord for that in my own heart, in my own life. And just, it's just testament to the fact that his plans are better and bigger than ours. And he, he knew what he was doing when I thought that I initially knew what I was doing, but I like his plan better. (laughs) And I think as we write or whatever we do for God, like we think, okay, this is for this person or that person. And, but by, Focusing on God, getting into his word, listening to the Holy Spirit, we cannot help but be changed. Like we are opening ourselves up to God's truth because when we want to share God's truth and then in the middle of whatever I'm writing, I'm like crying and going, oh my goodness, this is for me. I mean, even some of my novels, I'm like, oh, this was something I needed to hear. This is something I needed on my heart. And I love that God does that. He's like, yes, it is for those other people, but it's for you. And I think if we weren't moved and if we weren't changed, we wouldn't have something to share. Like it's Mm, powerful because it's God's word and then it changes us. And so we do have something to share. And what I also love is for you to say, you know, what lies do you believe? And people immediately started making lists. So they know they are lies. Like, you know, like, okay, this is not true. Like about, you know, having to be perfect or, I mean, all the different ones. I mean, you talk about good moms do X, Y, Z, or I have to keep my act together or, you know, life is passing me by. I'm I'm just naming some of the lies from your book. Um, So we know they're lies, but like you were talking about taking every uh, thought captive. What do we do? Like, obviously, if they listed them, they knew it was a lie, but I think getting the information, okay, what do I do now um, really makes a huge difference. So let's, let's talk about some of these things. I think it's so important. Um, The first thing I want to talk about is identity. So uh, why shouldn't (laughs) our identity be focused on motherhood? And so that's the, I mean, that's the whole part one that you're talking about. And I would just love for you to share, like, what did God teach you that you could pass on about that whole identity piece? Mm, I think it's so foundational because, and that is why it is, like you said, it is part one, because in my experience, I've seen that if I, if my identity is in the wrong place or being defined by the wrong thing, then it affects so much from there. Everything is affected from that point and it's negatively affected. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Everything kind of comes from that. And so, you know, the enemy is so clever. We know this, like he, he operates in extremes. And so you have the one extreme that's like, oh, motherhood is unimportant. It's, it's a waste of time. It's, you know, not to be your identity because it's nothing like, you know, but then you have the other end of the extreme where, oh, motherhood is everything. It is a woman's highest calling. It is the, the pinnacle, like nothing else you do will ever matter. It is that. And so either way, you're going to get your identity kind of 
messed up somehow. Right. And what I found, <laughs> you know, it, it's it's either way. Like that's what's what's interesting about the enemy is, you know, he knows how to lie to you. I my background is a background of legalism, and so mm. the way he lied to me was that the motherhood was everything for me. If I was not a mom, I was nothing. I, I felt, you know, looking back, I didn't detect it at, at, while I was going through it because I thought I was just being biblical. But looking back, I I see my old self in women in the Old Testament who would despair if they didn't have children or would beg God for children because they they were wrapped up in this culture that told them motherhood is your only purpose. Right. And so I I believe that now I didn't have trouble having the two children that we have. So it wasn't that I'm despairing over not being a mother, but it still affected me in a deep way when I realized I'm not naturally good at this thing. This is actually not because, you know, when you, <laughs> when you have all these years of nannying experience and, and homeschooling other people's kids and teaching them how to read and taking care of babies, you think that when you become a mom, well, you've had all the training. You'll, I, I you'll have be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Like so easy. <laughs> exactly. Oh my word. I look back on those really early days. Obviously our kids are still little, but those really early days. And I just, I want to hug my old self because <laughs> I remember just despairing over the fact that I would lose my temper mm-hmm. or that I would selfishly want to be able to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And this child needs to quit interfering or, you know, and I would think, oh my goodness, I never thought I would struggle with this. I always, my lifelong dream since I was a little girl was to be a mom. This is taking care of children is something I did all through my teen years and early twenties, you know, so I would despair and I would just have such a hard time. And that's what happens when our identity in this case is placed in motherhood itself, Mm -hmm. because on the good days, Oh, look at me. I am such a good mom. (laughs) My kids are behaving because of me. Like I made that happen because I have everything together today. But then on those hard days, I mean, it's truly a roller coaster because on those hard days that will come, no matter how good your kids were yesterday, tomorrow's a new day, it seems like. (laughs) (laughs) And on those hard days, I would despair because when they would fight or they would disrespect me or they would disobey or I'm yelling at them or whatever, like I would just despair because I, I felt like the biggest failure at this whole mothering thing, which is to comprise my whole identity, you know? And so it wasn't until I realized, oh, I'm so messed up in my thinking. My identity is to be in the firm foundation of who Christ is and who Christ made me to be through his sacrifice and, and his clothing me now with his righteousness as a result of the gospel, that's my identity. And that cannot be shaken. No matter how good or how bad my day is, no matter how good or how bad my child's behavior is, my identity cannot be shaken when I remember where my identity actually is to be found. And so that, that was life-changing for me. And I, I sometimes, if I'm, again, if I'm not taking those thoughts captive, then I'll get back on that roller coaster. But by God's grace, I've, I've had more peace. I still have the bad days where I'm yelling at my kids and I'm thinking, wow, really? You still don't have patience? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but, but at the same time, though, I'm able to be like, okay, wait a minute. This isn't ultimately about me. This is, I'm just this vessel that God's going to, you know, he is using Lord willing. Like I, it's not about me. It's about Christ in me. It's about who I am in light of, of the gospel as a child of God, who, when God looks at me, he does not see the fact that I yelled at my kids today. He does not see any of that sin that he separated as far as the East is from the West. He only sees the righteousness of his son. 
And when you remember that as a mom, there's so much more peace that you find. And this is this is why I'm so passionate about this for moms because I see moms all the time on social media, in person, you know, whatever, despair over the fact that they're not patient or that they yelled at their kids or that, you know, they deal with selfishness or, or fill in the blank and they just get so broken over it. And in some ways, your conviction of sin, obviously you want that, but I just see them under a, a cloud of condemnation a lot of times. And I don't want to see moms who are believers be in that place because that's not the place the Lord wants them in. If they're if they're believers and they're covered by the blood of Christ and his righteousness, that is not a place you belong in. And I don't want to see moms in that place like I've been there before. Absolutely. And I think it is, um, I mean, first of all, that's the enemy is going to attack and like, look what you're doing, or you should have your act together now, or you should be (laughs) over this by now. And I think it's all, it might be different seasons of different things going on. I remember when I had my older three um, that are 32, 29 and 27 now, I would always like, just try to have the house perfectly clean. And they had Mm -hmm. to look a certain way when we went out and behave a certain way. And I'd be (laughs) so embarrassed. I remember one time, one of my, at church, one of the the other ladies said, I think your daughter wrote in the bathroom. And I went and behind the toilet in a Sharpie, she'd written her name all over the floor. And she's three. (laughs) It's like, you would think that you would not write your name. But I was just like, remember like being so embarrassed. Like I can't control my kids or, you know, just all these things that are like, it's all me. It's all my fault. I should be able Mm -hmm. to do this. And I remember because I'd been a teen mom, I had my oldest when I was 17 and then God brought my wonderful husband into my life. We had two more kids. And in my mind, it's like, I need to prove myself. I need to prove that I can be a good mom, even though I'm young, but it doesn't matter if you're proving to be a good mom because you're young or you are a believer. So you shouldn't lose your temper or you know all these things. It's like always trying to prove yourself never works. And it's not about that. It's about being fully knowing you're fully loved and accepted by God. And, we're all going to struggle because struggle we're all humans and our kids are humans and they're all going to <laughs> act out and just walking in that grace and that peace. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is a process. My youngest is 10 now and I'm still like, okay, the house is really messy right now. And I <laughs> would love to have it clean. And I would love to have these kids have good attitudes all the time, but it's not going to be that way. And God mm-hmm. loves me and I can have grace for myself and I can have grace for my kids and realize we'll never reach that reach that state of perfection, but we yeah. can, you know, grow in God together and train our kids and seek forgiveness when we do raise our voices <laughs> and get angry. And it's all this growing process. It's not reaching perfection. It's mm-hmm. you know accepting ourselves and and teaching our children to accept what God has done for them that they don't have to be perfect either because mm-hmm. um, you know it's all of us in it together. So I'm so thankful. Um, and you know, I've been a mom for 32 years and I still read through your book and like, oh yeah, I need to be reminded of this. Yeah. It's such a good reminder. Hmm. Because the enemy does come after us, like you said, no matter what age or season or, you know, he just <laughs> it keeps coming. And yeah, that's why we have to have that, that armor, you know, and, and armor up because he, just when we think we've got it together, just when we think we're not going to struggle with that anymore, we're older now, our kids are in a different season, you know, he's still, he comes back again. Exactly. So. <laughs> There's different issues and different seasons and yeah. 
Yeah. Okay, so you mentioned something, and I want to bring it back to that, because I think I don't want to just go past this. And you mentioned, um, you know, conviction versus condemnation. Mm -hmm. And especially if, unless you were raised in the church, I mean, if you were raised in the church, those words might seem familiar. But, I mean, a lot of people... When I text you, like, what do you mean? <laughs> what does it mean, condemnation and conviction? And it seems like it's the same thing, but I really don't know what those words mean. I would just love for you to just unpack that a little bit and help us understand, like, what that means biblically, the difference between conviction and condemnation. Yeah, that's such a, a big thing that it was helpful for me to finally kind of differentiate, you know, myself. Um, so as I was going through the process of, of writing this book, I, you know, a lot of us are familiar, I'm sure, with Romans 8, 1 that says that, you know, there's now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Mm-hmm. And we know about that and we think, okay, that's great. But for me, for a long time, for some reason, I read it as there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ as long as you do everything you're supposed to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. like that was the connotation for me. And so that's what I, I took from that. But as I was writing this book, I guess for the first time, I actually read, or first time for me paying attention or putting two and two together or something, I read Romans 7 with Romans 8 at the same time. Mm-hmm. And that's so powerful because it's at the end of Romans 7 that Paul is lamenting what we lament all the time. I am doing the things I know I'm not supposed to do. I'm not doing those things I know I am supposed to do like what a wretched person I am. I I can't like, I delight in the Lord and his law, but I I can't seem to get my act together. Basically (laughs) it's kind of how you feel Paul's tension there, but it's immediately after he talks about those sin struggles that he says, but that's the start of a chapter, but it's, it's the same topic he's covering, but there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And so if we're believers, if we're covered in Christ, blood and we have his righteousness, there is no condemnation. There is no wrath. There is no judgment. There is no punishment. Like all of that, there's no guilt. That's a big thing. There's no Mm -hmm. guilt anymore. There's no mommy guilt, right? So it's not appropriate for us to be weighed down by mommy guilt either because that guilt, that condemnation, all of that was nailed to the cross. It's not ours to take back again. It was all nailed to the cross. So there's no condemnation. There's no guilt. There's no shame and and just that heavy weight of sin but there is conviction Mm -hmm. and that is a very different thing you know we we've probably a lot of us maybe not all of us certainly have heard the term sanctification and that's just a long big fancy sounding word for just this process between the time that you become a christian and the time when you are you pass or the lord comes back or, or whatever in your life and you're in you're with him for eternity when you're still living on this earth after conversion, you're, you're being sanctified. So that's just the, the Christian walk and you're, you're hopefully walking by the spirit and the Lord's working in you and he's maturing you and he's growing you and he's teaching you. That's what that process is. And he, that's his goal for our, our hearts and our lives after salvation. And sometimes it's two steps forward, three steps back. I mean, it's a uh-huh. whole big, it depends on if you're walking by the flesh or walking by the spirit, you know, it's this whole big process, but that's his goal. But in order to meet that goal in us, he does convict us of sin. So it's not the same as like, oh, you're you're convicted as a felon and you're going to jail. Like it's it's not that's where we kind of get confused and we think it's the same right. as condemnation. It's it's not that. It's not this earthly 
um, punishment, like we kind of think of with the, the jail system. It's this, okay, daughter, I love you. But remember yesterday when you said this to your husband or you said this to your child, that's not the best thing for you or for them. That's that's not the best I have for you. That's not according to what I want you to say or to act like or to do. And so it's this, it can be a kind of a, a painful, like, oh, ouch moment. Like there can be a little bit of that. But the difference is when you have that conviction and you have that, oh man, I, sh- I should not have done that. With conviction from the Holy Spirit, he's so gentle and he's kind and he's gracious. And when you feel that, it might be painful in the moment. Absolutely, you might feel grief over the fact that you yelled at your children. That that might be there. But the conviction from the Holy Spirit causes you to want to go to the Lord and to to go in repentance and, and asking for help. It draws you to him. But when you're feeling that condemnation, that guilt, that heavy accusation, you want to do what Adam and Eve did and go hide somewhere. You don't want to go to him. You don't want to go to him and repent and restore fellowship with whoever you've hurt. Like You you don't want that restoration and that repentance and that close relationship with the Lord. You want to be cowering in a corner somewhere because now, oh, you're condemned. God is upset with you. You failed again. And he's condemning you. Like that's, that's for me, the telltale sign is this conviction or is this condemnation? Because Uh Holy Spirit conviction, the Holy Spirit wants you close to him. That's, that's the goal is to walk by the spirit. He wants you so close to him. And so that conviction is going to draw you in. It's going to inspire repentance and, and changing what, what you've done and, and, you know, asking forgiveness or whatever needs to happen. But he's going to draw you to him and you're going to feel that that joy of knowing that you've been forgiven, that joy of knowing he's there to help you. And that that conviction is for your good. It's not to beat you over the head with what you've done. It's for your good, for your growth, for your flourishing as a Christian. That's how you know it's the Holy Spirit. But if you're feeling this guilt, you are a failure. You are horrible. Your kids would be better off with a different mother. If if they didn't have you, then they wouldn't be yelled at right now or they wouldn't Uh be whatever it is, like that's the enemy. And it's the enemy that brings the condemnation. It's not the Holy Spirit. It's a completely different heart behind it and a different feeling when you're experiencing it. And I hope that's helpful. That's kind of been what my experience has been. I hope that kind of helps to explain how they're different because it can be very confusing. (laughs) I love that. And I love, because as you're talking, I'm thinking of so many situations in our lives, like, and with the conviction (laughs) Um, and it can be like, there's a situation with one of my teen daughters and she is trying to dress more like edgier and popular culture. And there's some things I'm like, no, absolutely. That's not, <laughs> but there's some things I'll ask my friend, like, should I make a big deal? Cause there's fishnet on her shoulders and the shirt. She's like, it covers her up. There's fishnets on her shoulders. It's fine. Like I'm actually, yeah. <laughs> but I'm like, I don't like that style. You know, it's just those things. Yeah. And I was feeling not very good one day. I had a headache and we were going somewhere and she was in the car and I just didn't like her outfit. And it, it, I was just rude. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not going. And I went back in the house <laughs> and afterwards, like you're saying later, it's the Holy Spirit going, you weren't very nice. In yeah. <laughs> and like looking back, it really is more of a preference thing. Like she's not, you know, wearing things that are completely inappropriate. It's just a preference yeah. thing. And I went and apologized. And she's like, Mom, I really looked at my outfit and I thought it would be okay. And then she's Aww. crying and I'm crying. And I had my husband 
I apologized to him for my attitude, and my older son was there. He goes, yeah, it kind of surprised me, your attitude. (laughs) But it was like, so the conviction was reconciliation with my family members because Mm -hmm. I wasn't being very nice. I wasn't being very kind. Yes, I had a headache, and I could use that as an excuse, but the truth was I just was not right (laughs) in the moment. But having those conversations and going to the other family members that were there and apologizing and seeking forgiveness, it brought reconciliation Mm -hmm. in our relationship. And that's what conviction is about. It's about, you know, asking God for forgiveness, asking others for forgiveness and trying to do things better next time and be kinder. (laughs) And it's for the good of us, for the good of Mm -hmm. our relationship with God, for the good of the relationship with others, instead of times of condemnation where we're mm-hmm. feeling like it's pushing people away i'm horrible this is i don't treat anyone right yes you're right i'm a horrible mom or whatever and it's mm-hmm. putting up barriers where um like you were talking about too conviction is the point is to listen to the holy spirit to make things right and better and good in our lives and so <laughs> I, I think that's so important for us because um when we can pause and say you know is it condemnation and do I need to listen to that <laughs> or mm-hmm. is it which usually no we don't need to listen to condemnation we need to just you know turn mm-hmm. to God and ask him and realize like you said he has forgiven everything or is it conviction that I need to do something about it and it really over time it's it's almost like a practice we have to learn to pause mm-hmm. and pay attention to what we're thinking about <laughs> and um <laughs> and not let those those thoughts get in a bad cycle in our minds and that's another thing I want to talk about was why do you think it's so easy to listen to those lies because um you know we just those little lies come and then we just they just go over and over and over in our mind and it just hurts us it hurts our relationship so why do you think it is so easy to kind of get stuck in those lies Mm, that's a really good question and it may differ from person to person but I think in this culture in this time that we're in there's so much comparison. There's mm-hmm. so much expectation that we have for ourselves and how we're going to act and how our kids are going to be. And there's just social media I know probably makes it worse. I mean, there's so much of just this. A, a good mom does this, looks like this. Those moms you see on social media, see, they're doing that. They look right. like that. They're saying that. See, so they are great. Their kids are great because their kids have them as their mom. And you, though, know all the ins and outs of your heart, of the every moment of your every day, things that people that follow you on social media don't have the the view into. And so we forget, like we're seeing other people's best presentation oftentimes that right. they are presenting to us while we're privy to our everything. <laughs> and so I think the enemy uses that. And again, that may be more so in our time than others, but, but the enemy uses that, I think. And he comes at us with, oh, see, Pinterest says, this is the way your house ought to look. This is the way your kids ought to be dressed. This is the way you're supposed to cook. This is how you're supposed to act. And when you know you're not doing those things, which are not biblical standards, usually, by the way, that's not, (laughs) that's not from the Holy Spirit. That is not something you have to wear as guilt on you for not doing it. Those are usually... I would say 99.999% of the time, those are just man-made ideas as to what's right or what's good or what you ought to do, things that the Lord never put on us. But, you know, you have these expectations. And so then it's so easy to just listen mm-hmm. to whatever the enemy comes at us with. 
to just listen. Oh, you yelled at your kiss. You, you, you can tell already that uh, I have a problem with that because that's my go-to <laughs> example. <laughs> that's like what I think of is sin. You're like, oh, that one because I do it every day. Yeah. You know? Yes. So he comes at us. Oh, see, your children are yelled at, but those children over there are never yelled at because they don't have you for a mom. You know, and so then it's so easy. It's just so natural to to just listen to that. That's the much easier thing. It goes along with the fact that we know we have a sin nature. We know how we struggle. We know how that we fall short of the standard. Like that's the first part of the gospel to realize you do fall short of mm-hmm. God's actual standard. So you know that about yourself. And so it's a lot easier to listen to those lies of condemnation because they just seem to kind of make sense with what you know about yourself than it is to do the supernatural God thing to actually wait and go, okay, I know obviously what I did may actually have been a sin. I mean, you know, if you're not cooking organic all the time, that's not a sin, right. but what I, what I was doing, <laughs> that's not a standard from God. Um, but you know, so obviously that you automatically let go, but But even in those times when you realize, yeah, I did sin against my kids. Like that is an actual thing. If you know the gospel and you know the implications of it for your day-to-day, not just for your eternity, because I made that mistake for a long time of thinking the gospel was just for my eternity and not realizing Mm. it was for the everyday. (laughs) That messed me up for a while. Um, You know, when you realize that, you realize, okay, it's the natural, easy default thing to listen to whatever condemnation is coming at me because it just makes so much sense in the moment because I'm already down on myself. Right. But it's the the thing that requires the help of the Lord. And when we're so busy, I know how this is like, it, it takes time to actually stop. And even just mentally, even if you're still doing something out, like with your hands, you can wash the dishes, but to like stop mentally and to think, okay, wait a minute. I did do this. That is true. But what's the gospel say about it? Right. What does the Lord say is his perspective of me now, even though I did do that? What does Paul say about it? His experience was the same thing. What did he learn? You know, so it's it's so much harder to do that because it takes time and intentionality and effort. And you have to really mentally kind of process through that. But it is worth it. But I think that is why it's so hard. I think it's it's not natural. It doesn't come naturally to us to accept the grace and the the forgiveness and the the acceptance of God, it comes naturally because we we tend to be so down on ourselves right. anyway because we know all of our dirt. You know, yep. it's just so much easier to just listen to the enemy. And I think he knows that. Yeah. And that's why he keeps coming. <laughs> yes, I agree. And I so as we're wrapping up, I want to talk about the freedom. So let's talk about the freedom aspect of it because I know you talk and you've even talked on this podcast and in your book about walking in the spirit. And it's cool because I just looked it up right before we get on in the amplified version, which I mm-hmm. love the amplified version because some of the words that are just kind of there, it explains it a little bit more. Yes. Um, so this, I want to read this real quick. It says, um, walk habitually in the Holy Spirit. And this means they have the parentheses, seek him and be responsive to his guidance. And then you will not carry out the desire of the sinful nature. And I'm like, ding, ding, ding. Like, this is a wrap up of everything we're talking about. When we, so, you know, walking in the spirit sounds like this big old, I don't know. We need to like, I don't know. It just sounds like really something that only older people that have been in church for 50 years do and wear the buns on their heads and all this stuff. Yes. But walking in the spirit is just seeking God. So seeking God's spirit, which is in us. And being responsive to his guidance. 
Like, mm-hmm. I love that. It's such an easy way. So in the middle of our day, when we're like, ah, oh, I'm such a bad mom, that's horrible. Well, let wait, let me pause. Let me seek God and be responsive to his guidance. And his guidance might be, go take five minutes and just give yourself a break. His guidance yeah. might be, apologize to your child. His guidance might be, put away your to-do list and sit down and cuddle and watch a movie. Mm-hmm. You know, it, whatever it is. It doesn't have to be this like holier than thou thing. It can be just seeking God's guidance in our everyday moments to what do I need to do for myself? What do I need to do for my child right now? <laughs> and it that's what it is. So let's talk about that freedom. I want to hear like how God has just brought freedom and what you can say about that walking in the spirit. Mm, that has become one of my favorite things to talk about because I needed that. Mm-hmm. I with my background of legalism, you know, you're, if anyone has had that experience and obviously there are different forms of legalism, but if anyone's had a legalistic experience, then you know that it's all about these man-made rules that are mm-hmm. just heaped on your shoulders. And and sometimes when you're walking through it, you don't realize how weighed down you are until you're freed from it. And you look back and you realize, oh my goodness, like I really was under a lot of weight of mm-hmm. condemnation. But, you know, when we have that background, even if you don't have that specific kind of background, even if you're just living in this culture of the mommy wars is another topic I talk a lot about. You know, when you have these expectations, oh, good moms feed their children organic food. Mm-hmm. Good moms have a home birth. Good moms have uh, you know, a epidural free birth, good moms, homeschool, good moms don't work outside the home. Like there's so many different things right. you can fill in the blank with the, own, you know, the ones you struggle with. But you know, when you have all these ideas in your head that again, are not, they're generally not actual scriptural expectations for everybody across the board. Um, when you have those, those thoughts that are so just ingrained in your, in your brain, you, you have so much weight on you. And when I realized that all of those expectations of a good mom, you know, homeschools, which we do homeschool, but, you know, a good mom does that. And not only that, but, oh, if you homeschool, you have to do it this way. You know, you don't do it that way. You do it this way. You know, I, I for so long, I, I, I struggled with things like that. I compared myself to other people. I thought, okay, I have to have all my ducks in a row in this particular order yep. or else I'm a bad mom. But when I realized, wait a minute, and again, I still have to preach the gospel to myself in these times. But when I started to realize, okay, wait a minute, these, most of these things are man-made ideas. Mm -hmm. They're, they're, you know, cultural expectations at best, and they're not usually actual standards of God. I realized, okay, I need to be walking by the spirit. I need to be seeking his wisdom. He knows my children better than I do. He knows what my children need that that woman's children might not need. You know, so I, or or maybe her children need it and mine don't. He knows my children. He created them uniquely the way they are. And so if I do what James 1, 5 talks about and I seek him for wisdom, if I do what Galatians 5 talks about, you know, Paul saying walk by the spirit, whether it's an actual sin issue of impatience or a cultural expectation that's not biblical, Whatever it is, if you're walking by the spirit, that is always the answer. Yep. That is the key. There, it, he, the God is not a God of confusion. And so if you are dealing with man-made expectations, he can cut through that and show you exactly what he actually wants for your family. But then if it's also a, an area of actual sin, like you're saying there in Galatians 5, Paul says basically the key to living the victorious Christian life is not to try harder, try to do better, make yourself just be the most patient person in the world today. It's to walk by the spirit. And like you said, it, mm-hmm. that's just being in relationship with him. That's being in his word. 
we can't take thoughts captive unless we know the truth. So we have to be in his word and it's, it's being in the word. It's being in prayer. It's communicating with him and being sensitive to his conviction, being sensitive to what he's saying through his word, through our prayer time, whatever. That's the key. If it's a sin issue, he's going to convict you. Walking by the spirit is going to help you. It's going to sanctify you. It's going to help you grow in that area. But if it's a worldly expectation that's not actually supposed to be on your shoulders, if you're walking by the Spirit, He's going to let you know that too. He's going to come alongside you and say, okay, I know you feel like you have to do this to be accepted as a mom or to be okay as a mom. But guess what? I didn't put that on you. Right. And so you don't have to do X, Y, Z there. And so no matter what it is that you're struggling with, walking by the Spirit truly is so freeing. I mean, you come away from it. You're, you're, you feel so much freedom because you know there's no condemnation. And you also feel so much freedom because you know, oh, I don't have to fulfill this 10-step program to be a good mom. I don't have to do all of these things that this person or this website or this app or whatever tells me I have to do. All I technically have to do is what the Holy Spirit says. That's it. That's all I have to do. And that that is something that's very eye-opening to me because we have so many expectations as to what a good mom does. But if you look in Scripture— there aren't that many. And the ones that are in there are more broad generalizations. So you love your children. You're to love your children. You're to raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You're to train them up in the way that they should go. You're to speak of God's word to them as you rise up and lie down and all. That's basically the, the yeah. gist of what you're supposed to do. That's basically it. And there's no down to the minute detail of you must do that this way either. So there's there's so much freedom that these these chains of these expectations can just fall off of your shoulders because you realize to be the kind of mom the Lord wants you to be, there's only these few things that he wants you to be doing. And if you're walking in step with him and in communication with him through his word, through prayer, he's going to let you know how to do those things. And his burden is so much lighter than any expectation or requirement that the world places on us or that even Christendom sometimes places on us. And so I just, that's a, something I could talk about for about 10 years because I just, love it. <laughs> I just, I want women to feel that freedom of whether it's sin or whether it's just a worldly expectation. I want you to feel that freedom that is there for you when you realize that really all you have to do to grow, to mature, to be that mom that you want to be, you walk by the spirit, you, you walk with him. That's it. And he's gentle. He's kind he's Isaiah talks about he's gentle with those who are with young Mm -hmm. I love that picture I'm not usually gentle with myself but he is and when you realize that man that freedom is so sweet that rest is such a gift that there's no going back I mean you you, again you're going to struggle at times with remembering that freedom but you're you're never going to want to be without that again you're not going to want to go back to what the world tells you or what condemnation tells you because you know that freedom is just too sweet. Absolutely. And and really a free mom is a happy mom. Yes. Because those burdens are lifted and we're free and we're happy and we're able to enjoy life and our family without like, oh man, the kitchen's a mess. But it's okay. Yes. <laughs> like or right. oh man, I didn't do my devotions this morning or whatever it is. Like yeah. the burden is gone and we can enjoy life. We can enjoy God. We can enjoy our kids. We can enjoy our family. Not perfectly all the time because no one is perfect all the time, <laughs> but it is so much easier 
just yes. to walk and live in that freedom and it's okay I'll get to the laundry in two days when you know or whatever um it's yeah. okay it's okay that my kids aren't in soccer it's okay whatever it is that feels like such a burden um mm-hmm. turn it over to God oh this is so good we could talk all day I know for <laughs> sure but the good news is that you wrote, wrote a whole book <laughs> they, can, <laughs> uh, they can go back and, and then a companion bible study too um, and then there's a podcast, like there's so many things. <laughs> so um, the book again is Lies Moms Believe and How the Gospel Refutes Them. And then there's the companion Bible study um, and then the podcast, which I was just left listening to this morning. Um, mm-hmm. So fun. But just where can everyone go? Just connect with you and, uh, um, you know, just for sure get the book. I'm just telling everyone, just get the book because I've been a mom for 32 years and I'm still reading through it going, yes, this is such good reminders. Um, But where can everyone go just to connect with you? Yeah. So the website itself is my last name. So Hargraves, homeandhearth.com. All the links are there technically, everything, all the things you mentioned. Um, But if you just want to get the book, it is there. But if you want to get the book and just the easy way we all want to do it, then (laughs) it is on Amazon. So just you can go straight to Amazon and bypass the website altogether if you want to. Um, But if you're looking for like a social media uh, connection type of thing beyond just like the website and trying to figure all that out. Um, I do hang out more on Instagram than Facebook. And so I am just at Rebecca Hargraves on Instagram and I love hearing from people. Like I, I love it. So if you want to, to connect there, then I'm all ears for that. And that's, that's the place where I like to hang out in terms of social media primarily. (laughs) I love that. And I love, I have it on my Kindle. I know I have a hard copy somewhere. See, the thing is, I give books to people. I put, you know, I'm reading it somewhere. It gets put somewhere different. If yes. it's in my Kindle, I always know where it is. Um, and I also love the mug that you have on your website. Aww. It says "Living the Mom Free Life" or "Living the Mom Life Free from Lies." I'm like, yeah, I love that so much. So yes, <laughs> definitely go to her website. And we'll have again all the links um, on the podcast page. But thank you so much, Rebecca, um, for for being here. I'm such a fan of the way you love God. I'll just put it that way. I'm a fan of the way you love God. And it just, you can just tell that you love him and um, you want to speak good truths in people's lives. And I appreciate that. So thank you, friend. Oh, thank you so much. That is such an encouragement to me. And I'm grateful for you and all that you do. And yeah, you have inspired me in all the ways. And just I mean you've obviously come on the show on yep. my show and you know I've read your books so you're such a gift so thank you for this opportunity to have us have a chat in addition to you know Instagram and that kind exactly. of thing fun. <laughs> I love it well thank you so much The Barabbas Legacy by M.D. House as the early Christian witnessed multiple bloody Roman coups and the prophesied annihilation of Jerusalem, Barabbas and his friends strike out across the known world, seeking safe havens for themselves and their fellow saints. Is the Lord's second coming already nigh? Is there a way to hasten it? If not, how can his saints survive the martyrdom of several more apostles and the relentless assault on truth and righteousness? What will be their legacy? for tuning in to the Trisha Goyer Show. I hope you received help and inspiration. 
that's what I'm here for. Now remember, if you would like to submit a question, email it to hello at trishagoyer.com and I can't wait until we connect again.